0: Amelia, I was so excited for X-Men 26 because I had been dying for the wedding of Tony Stark and Emma Frost, and it was a major letdown. (laughs) It was such a letdown! X-Men 26 was a letdown. First of all, it felt like the B story of the issue, right? And the wedding of Tony Stark and Emma Frost is something. It has literally been alluded to since the Marvel Almanac, where it flashed forward to the future and it showed the wedding of Tony Stark. And Emma Frost and we were like oh they're gonna do this one day how are they gonna do the wedding of Tony Stark and Emma Frost some of us thought it was gonna be an earnest thing that she was gonna get with Tony they were gonna start dating and then they were gonna propose obviously it would have been like a comic book stunt like the way they did Black Panther and Storm right but I never imagined it was gonna be this bad now we kind of knew since they announced a couple months ago And we were going to be in the midst of of X, And something major was going to happen at the Hellfire Gala Spoilers, it was a massacre That they were going to come together for political reasons Right? Like the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend Kind of deal So we were really excited to see Where they were going to take this story Because you know what? That's right you, we, we don't need another comic book stunt there That's going to piss us all off And we're going to be firing off on the message boards And in the comments But I thought they were going to handle this a bit more differently than they actually did. And it's curious to me why they, they're taking this approach. So, first of all, spoiler warning for X-Men number 26. We're going to dive into it. We're going to give all of our feels here. I I feel like I say this a lot in my reviews in that the the, the writing wasn't terrible but there is a certain je ne sais quoi that's missing here in the writing there's there's a spark that's missing and it's curious you know the, the the directions they go with this first of all let's talk about the marketing copy right the marketing copy said that the tony stark and emma frost wedding kicks off here and that emma's friends mutant family literally reacts to the news. There is no reaction to this news because let me tell you how this plays out, Right, the entire issue. The entire issue is the A-plot, which is Shadowcat going after Firestar. Firestar is like, no, you can't hurt me because Jean put me in this position. She made Dr. Stasis think he recruited me, but it was a lie. And Shadow Cat's like, mm, okay, fine. That sounds like something Gene will do, but I'm gonna watch you, Firestar. And then she goes through a gate. And <laughs> and then the B-plot is Kendall, Miss Kendall, who is Emma Frost in disguise, being Tony's pa and then her scene feylong at the hellfire club emma getting really angry ready to mind wipe him and tony's like you can't mind wipe him and she's like watch me she's gonna take off this ring that apparently masks her from the sentinel and tony grabs the ring and before emma had like kind of like need him so he's on the floor and feylong walks in and he's here like what's happening and tony's like uh let me propose to you miss kendall you're gonna be my wife that's how it happens OK, that is the actual proposal. I never thought we were going to see the proposal given the timeline. I thought we were just going to pick up with this issue because it's really interesting how the issue kind of crafts the story. issue earlier says that there were rumors in the tabloids that Emma had survived the, the massacre, that she had gone to Araco. Right. So I thought what was going to happen it was going to be kind of like at the end of Iron Man 1, where Tony conference is at a press conference and he's here like, I am Iron Man, except it's going to be him giving a press conference, and Emma walks in. It's like, darling, I'm alive. And not only are we alive, but we're engaged because they have a master plan because they are one step ahead of Phelong and they want to fucking right the wrongs of the Hellfire Gala and Emma is a strategist. None. Th- that was not it here. That was, now listen, that was just my take on, on how I thought it was going to go down. It's okay to it happen like that, but it did not happen in any cool way. The, it, it was just really lame. It literally was a like romantic comedy, right? It was like the proposal of the X Men. And you know, in the marketing copy, I don't know why people write this marketing copy like that, saying that Emma's mutant family reacts to the news. It's like, no, no one's reacted to the news. In fact, the issue cuts off with Emma telepathically talking. Talking to Kitty and saying, change a plan after the proposal happens. So we don't even get to see Kitty's reaction, right? It would be one thing. I, w- I would let it go if we got Kitty's reaction, but literally there is no reaction. All right, let's dive into this issue. Obviously that iconic cover of Emma holding a bouquet, a diamond bouquet, and the ex-family behind her. Uh, the cuckoo's Are MIA. I I guess they're on, they're in the desert, right? We haven't seen them in the desert just yet, but they're MIA. Emma can't sense them. Xavier is on Krakoa. Gene is dead. Cyclops is bound. Kitty is now Shadow Cat with a K. Sebastian Shaw is evil, once more, truly evil, trying to sell the parts of Krakoa. Destiny is in the desert. Hope is in the desert, so is Exodus. Mystique is MIA. We know she'll be popping up in X-Men Blue Origins. Colossus, X-Force. He's still, you know, being his treacherous self. Storm is on Araco. Sync is leading the underground charge with the X-Men. We have Polaris, who I don't know where Polaris is actually. Slide into our DMs and let us know. Last time I remember seeing Polaris, she was in her bed upset that Magneto had died. Iceman is obviously in Antarctica. So fucking lame. Literally, I want to see how that pitch meeting went. It's like, ooh, Bobby's going to be in Antarctica and he's going to have a castle there. (laughs) So lame. His own Fortress of Solitude. Firestar is obviously the traitor and Rogue is on the Unity squad. Right. So the issue opens up with a quote from Ben Urich, which I really like this quote. I love this quote from Ben Urich, which says, Wilson Fisk's, Immense strength lay not in his physical form or even his money, it is his ability to bend the courts to his will. He began anew the second he arrived back in New York City. Love that, love that. So it opens up with a narration. I don't know why we're doing, I don't know why Jerry Dugan is doing these narrations now. Um, but we're getting narrations. And it says Krakoa is for lovers. You know, (laughs) I I was just in Virginia. Virginia is for lovers, right? Krakoa is for lovers or was for lovers, excuse me, past tense, because Krakoa is burned. But anyways... um, yeah, we start with that and he's kissing Typhoid Mary and then the massacre at the Hellfire Gala happens and he's talking to the ambassador for the United Nations of Ireland and he's here like the, the ambassador's like, don't worry, they're not going to kill me. I'm no good dead. And oops, he's dead. So we cut to the Morlock Tunnels where Emma is like, I can't sense them. I can't sense my girls. This is Post-Hellfire Gala Massacre, immediately after, she is in disarray, and Kingpin is like, If Orcus hasn't already, they're going to be seizing your considerable assets, resources that will be needed for your war effort. And then Emma's like, tell me, what do you want? And he says... Yes, I will help you, for your enemies are my enemy. We must act quickly. Let's get our lawyers together as quickly as possible. And obviously we know now that Kingpin is the white king of the Hellfire Club, which I don't hate. I don't hate that he's the king of the Hellfire Club. So we have Tony there working the room for the Hellfire Club. He's obviously trying to fit in, not raise any suspicions. You know who could take a lesson from that? Miss Marvel Kamala, who sees a person who is thought to be a mutant being beaten up, but the person isn't a mutant. They just have alopecia. And Kamala is like really angry and she wants to like step in and stop the fight, but she can't because she's going to expose her powers. And because, you know, she's on this dual mission, she has to remain incognito. Makes no sense. You know, our review for Miss Marvel issue one, it makes no sense. That Miss Marvel, the Miss Marvel alter ego of Kamala, would publicly reveal herself to be a mutant at a time when there's so much anti mutant happenings going on. And also because Kamala is on campus incognito, so they wouldn't want to draw any attention to Kamala be it her Miss Marvel ego or her civilian ego, right? It makes no sense. But this Kamala here is like, even though I've just publicly come out as a mutant, I'm not going to use my powers here because Kamala is undercover here. And so she's like, I'm going to get them. And she's like, I'm recording everything. I'm recording everything. Which doesn't really make any sense to me <laughs> that she would be like, I'm recording everything. I'm recording everything because like there's so much anti-mutant happenings there? Is social media really a threat here? I thought it would be at this point, we know the Canadian government is going after mutants. We, we know mutants have to evacuate the planet. So what recording, what does that do, right? I mean, it's, it's something to us as a reader because that's something that happens in the real world when injustices happen. People record it and put it on the internet. But in this case, it's sort of accepted to be terrible to mutants, right? So that's just you know it's one of those things where it's more of a social commentary but it doesn't quite land in the context of this in my opinion but regardless that's how Kamala foils the scene um back on orcus shadow cat with a k <laughs> shadow cat with a k is infiltrating orcus and she is not holding back earlier in the issue when tony stark was in the hellfire club Miss Kendall comes in and he tells Miss Kendall, who is, of course, Emma Frost, is like, hey, you got to warn Firestar that a mutant assassin is coming after her. So, you know, if you think she's really if she's really your mole, Tony, now is the time to warn her. This doesn't make any sense to me, because if Emma had any inkling that Firestar was a mole for Tony, why wouldn't she stop Firestar? Right. And also, why wouldn't she? Why wouldn't she tell Shadowcat with a K this? Tony goes ahead and contacts Firestar. So Firestar's like kind of like ready for this with, when Shadow Shadowcat with a K, which by the way, lamest name ever. I know I say this all the time. I'm sorry, Shadowcat with a K. Would be who would be afraid of Shadowcat with a K? Wow, well, she's gonna have to. to. Anyways, Shadowcat with a K goes through the Orca's agents. By the way, pretty gruesome, pretty gruesome. We, we now see the effects of what the Hellfire Gala had on Captain Kate. You know, it wasn't in that immediate issue. It was in the issue, you know, X-Men 25, where we saw the effects of the Hellfire Gala on Kate. It, it wasn't that night because she was kind of making jokes that night and being like, ha ha, Emma tried to walk through the gate and her nose um, got hurt. Now that's what it looks like. Ha ha. I mean, Kitty was pretty lighthearted considering everything that had happened. But anyways, so she confronts Firestar finally, and Firestar's like, "Wait, wait, wait!" and and Sha- it, it, it's it's hysterical. This is playing out like a slapstick comedy. This is what it is. Uh, comedy is really influencing Dugan in this. But anyways, so Shadowcat's winging her sword, her her sword around, and 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 Firestar is like, "No, wait, no, I have something to tell you. I'm not really, I'm not really a traitor. Oh my god!" So then, finally, Shadowcat with the K is able to get her and literally pierces forehead, but because. Shadowcat with a K is phasing, Shadowcat with a K is giving Firestar a quick second here to explain, and so she explains everything that happened with Jean and how Jean created these memories and implanted them in Dr. Stasis, but she's actually, you know, an informant, and Shadowcat with a K is like, oh, that's the most Jean thing I have ever heard, ha, 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 literally. That's what happens. So Firestar is like, okay, you know, I just want you to know that I'm not, that I'm doing this on, on behalf of Jean, and Shadowcat goes up to a gate, and she's here like, I'm watching you try to play both sides here, and she walks through the gate. And Firestar is like, oh my god, I'm so shocked she could walk through the fucking gate. Here's the thing about the scene that I don't like. First of all, like I just said, it's just very slapstick. There's a lot of comedy involved. It's kind of like, ah! But she is on Orcus. Shadowcat with a K is on Orcus. Firestar and her are fighting. They're having this conversation about what happened. Orcus security. I don't know why everyone in the in the X office is forgetting about a little something called security cameras. Now, you could say because Firestar had a line where she was here like, I'm going to blow up this entire station. My power is going everywhere. That's fine. But the Krakoan gate was fine. And I would imagine there would be a security camera on the Krakoan gate. So you will see Shadowcat with a K using that gate. So they would automatically be like, uh, MODOK, what the fuck? You hacked the gates, but mutants are still using it. We know this is a larger plot point, that only Shadowcat with a K can use the Krakoan gate, right? That is the entire point. It's been an entire mystery since the beginning of Dawn of X. Why can't Captain Kate use the gate when other mutants can Now it's a reverse. No other mutant can use the gate except for Shadowcat with the K, a.k.a. Captain Kate, a.k.a. Kitty Pride. It makes Kitty look stupid. I'm telling you it it, it just kitty is a stealth incredible ninja who is murdering all these Orcas agents. She's such a badass, but she can't take out the security camera that's pointed at the Krakoan gate. I mean, listen, I'm just assuming that they would have a security camera on the Krokoan gate, so don't quote me on that. Maybe maybe Orcas is that arrogant enough. Maybe the line is, Orcas is so arrogant they don't have security cameras. But again, I, I, it, the entire station, everything looked okay, even after Firestar like, powered up. So I would assume there is a security camera or two working, even if she was was able to affect everything. But anyways, regardless, so you know, we're left there. It was a cute beat. You know, it was a funny cute beat when Kitty was like, that is the most gene thing I have ever heard. But you know what? I wish Shadow Cat with a K would have said something. Man, even as a teenager, teen gene was a pain in my ass. You know, like at least admit to being wrong. And again, the way the way the entire sequence Played out again. It was just, it doesn't make like any of the characters look particularly smart. Like Angela is in a corner with the window right there. So, obviously, it's dead space, so she doesn't think anyone's going to come in through there. But regardless, it's a window. And she's looking all concerned, and then that's how Shadowcat with a K is able to, like, phase into her room. And it's just, again, it makes it, it makes everyone look like a doofus, right? Firestar can't properly defend herself. She can't literally be ready for when there is going to be an assassin coming to get her. And Shadowcat with a K is going after the wrong person. This person is actually on their side. Again, it's just incredibly simple stupid. I wish that Emma would have known the severity of the situation, that Emma would have known because she would have known what Gene did. Again, make the X-Men look like strategists. They're not that they're reacting. So then the issue, the issue then goes to a data page where Angelica is writing a letter to her dad saying, hey, you had a good head on my shoulder I want you to know that I am on. I'm I'm with Orcus now. I'm sorry if anything's happening to you. Contact the Orcus HR team (laughs) if you're having any issues. And I want you to know that when I got to Krakoa, I saw what Xavier and Beast were doing, and it was like a cancer—a cancer that killed our poor old horse Butter Rum, and we had to put her down. So Butter Rum was Firestar's horse that Emma Frost killed. Now, when Firestar went with Emma, she was riding a horse named. Butter rum. She developed a rapport with Butter Rum. And then Emma, wanting to show, show Firestar how hard life can be and train her to be a villainous person one day, orchestrates this event where the barn with Butter Rum burns. Firestar saves Butter Rum, but Butter Rum then collapses after getting him out of the burning stable. So, obviously, there is a lot of inconsistencies with the story, namely that Butterum died at the hands of Emma Frost in a burning fire (laughs) when she burned down the stable (laughs) to teach Angelica a lesson. So, that's a... B, Butterum was a boy. And C, Firestar was the one with the cancer. So obviously, Angelica is writing this letter to her dad to know not to trust this letter, that she is up to something. But I have to tell you, I initially thought this was a huge editorial mistake, right? Because we saw in Marauders, Dugan got it wrong when she said, my sister Cordelia, as Emma Frost, writing Emma Frost, saying, my sister Cordelia would never step foot on Krakoa, will never be resurrected on Krakoa. And it wasn't Cordelia who died, it was Adrian. So the fact that I had to question this and sort of second guess it and and, and consult some peers on this, thank you for those on DMs when we were talking about it, um, goes to show how little faith I have in the ex-office keeping track of continuity. So, you know, mm. so then the issue cuts to miss kendall walking into the hellfire club she sees fey long is really angry about it but tony grabs her and emma is like no oh my god how can he be here i'm gonna wipe his mind and tony's like no i need the information in his mind you can't do that emma and emma don't you dare try to make me stand out of the way with you and emma is like kicks him and then she takes off this ring that um hides her from the sentinels and Tony grabs it, and then Faylong walks in and be like, Tony, darling, I need to know where you keep the better liquor. And he's like, oh, Tony, what are you doing? Are you proposing to the help? And Tony's like, uh, yeah, Miss Kendall, will you marry me? And that's where the issue ends with Kitty walking through the Morlock sewers, and she says, change of plan, Emma. And Emma says, yeah, change of plan, too. And that's where the issue ends. Listen, I, I acknowledge that Dugan's X-Men has been received well by a lot of people, and that's fine. I don't particularly like this. I think this is an insult to Firestar as a character. I think Shadowcat with a K is ridiculous because Shadowcat with a K and Emma, a.k.a. Miss Kendall, would have sat down and been like, try to figure it out, like, a master plan here. They would have been strategists. Obviously, there's no way they could have known that Jean came telepathically to Firestar, but Emma as a telepath could have been, like, a sense that Jean did do something. What could Jean have done? You know, again, make these X-Men look like they're one step ahead of the game. No wonder Orcus was able to come in, hack their Krakon Gates, and just slaughter them. It, it, it's pretty easy. It, it's pretty easy to foil them and then turning them on each other, right? It's just ridiculous. And again, Orcus isn't going to see that Shadowcat with a K can now use a fucking like Krokoan gate when they're not supposed to. It makes zero sense to me whatsoever. We've always talked about this. I just don't understand in a world where there are telepaths and time travel, security systems, court systems wouldn't take into account these things in this world. I don't know why we, the reader and the viewer for the MCU, have to do all the world building for the creators. It's very easy to start tackling these issues. And you can actually create really interesting stories. Minority Report dealt with a world where there were superhuman abilities affecting the court systems, for example, and security systems, right? And it was a whole big moral conundrum, and I think that X-Men should explore what it means to have a court system where do you swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, but you have telepaths who can verify if what the person is saying is the the, the truth to their best ability, right? Similarly, Orcas would be prepared for a mutant rogue mutant that could phase into their facilities they would have cameras on the percoan gates as just an FYI. again you, you're not it doesn't make the story fall apart it enriches the story if you tackle these things and finally i don't like the actual proposal again it's a suit comedy of errors right this is really more like a comedy and it's supposed to be the fall of x at this point i like x-men disassembled by rosenberg and this is just I don't know I I feel like I'm being written down to I feel this truly is a comic for a kid but I'm not even talking about like the intelligent 14 year old I am talking about just someone who's picking up a comic and needs to be entertained while they drive to the beach (laughs) for the long weekend or something like that it's just if I read this comic book as a kid I would not be at all interested in the (laughs) X-Men this is no fatal attractions this is no age of apocalypse (laughs) It is an absolutely terrible, terrible issue and very uninspiring. But anyways, from me, Lee, you let me know your feels. Drop them in the comments below. Slide into our DMs at Power of X-Men, and we will see you guys with the video very soon.